This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and... What do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Age of Radio. What is going on, everybody? We are back. This is episode 200 of the Dark Windows podcast. My name is Kevin. And if you don't freaking know, I'm Kevin still. And I honestly, I want to start off by saying thank you. Because eh. there are some of you that have been with us since, like, I'm not going to say day one because I honestly wasn't with us from day one. But there's some people that have been listening to this show since, like, the, the, the early days. And uh, thank you to them, and thank you to everybody that's come since then. We greatly appreciate it. It's Oh, they've come all right. Ha! <laughs> I mean, I did. I, I got a kid on the way, so, you know, it happens. Yeah, well, you were forcibly, you know, no, no, you weren't. You make it sound like my wife trapped me. She's like, no, nah, baby time. It's true. Well, <laughs> it could have been. <laughs> She's like, listen. She fucking dug the spurs in. She's like, you know, stay in there. Um, so anyway, uh, well, this is a good way to lead off what's going to be a three-part of fucking bummers. Because <laughs> uh, we're going to spend the next three weeks doing a, a topic. Oh, man. That, that, uh, that you know, we were like, okay, yeah, sure, I guess some people have, have requested it. And we even we haven't, we even had to go to the fucking bullpen. Yeah, we brought in the, I'm assuming, righty. Uh, maybe. everybody else is. Um, I mean, you know. But this is a topic we've had on the list, I'm pretty sure, since day one. I don't know. Maybe. Um, But we are going to head off to the tropical paradise for the uh, next three weeks. Of, um, of, uh, of, uh. Jesus Christ. Are you you actively having a stroke? Honduras? No. No? No, we're going to head off to the Horn of Africa. We're going to fucking Somalia. Oh, we're going to Somalia. Yes, Somaliland. The island paradise. It is. No, it's not. It's not. Might as well be. Pirate paradise. They're not even real fucking pirates, dude. Eh, they're new age. No, they're not. That's not real pirates. Well, they weren't pirates then. Okay, what's pr- they're let's still put this not way. pirates. They're shitheads with AKs and aluminum boats. That's not being a pirate. <clears throat> well, you're you're boarding ships that most of them have. <coughs> whoops. Most of them have no security. That's not being a pirate. That's that's. There's no fucking challenge in that. Board the ones that hire like ex special forces dudes to hang out on the top deck with M4s and fucking shoot holes in your. In your StarCraft as you're coming up. Yeah, but I'm sorry, but is that like, I mean, that's kind of smart. Sort of. Yeah, well, anyway, but, anyway, we're, we're covering whew. the topic of the whole, what, it, I, it's, it's going to be easy enough to say if we say Black Hawk Down, yeah, it's but it's really not. It's it's actually 
the Mogadishu or no Somalia? No, what is it? What's the technical? The the term that was used by the U.S. government was Operation Gothic Serpent. Yeah, but if you look it up, it's the Battle of Mogadishu. Battle Battle of Mogadishu. Yeah, because we're kind of I mean we're trying to focus down onto one particular. It's all leading up to culminates up to one particular. 24 pretty, hours? Pretty rough 24 to 28 hour period. Yeah. Um, but this week... That everybody's probably heard of. Oh, you yeah. Know. yeah. You know, if, if you haven't heard of the uh, you know, Black Hawk Down, well, there's a movie. You can go watch yeah. it. Read um, the book, though. Read or at least book. get it on Audible. Um, <laughs> yeah. Because the movie's good, but there's a lot of inaccuracies. But they're really not big things. I mean, it's how, it's it's how it more, goes. It's more shit happened in the movie but they altered it slightly from the book or they altered it completely from the book with the same result it's how it's how uh you have to change some things you know just like uh like we were saying talking about with uh band of brothers Brothers, you know now the question i've always had with this whole situation was why why were we there why did we get involved what were we doing so the First thing that I think we really need to go over is what led the U.S. to send Rangers and Delta and a couple of Navy SEALs into a situation that went FUBAR in a flash. Well, more importantly, was ultimately really what was what what provoked the U.N. to exactly. to ask the U.S. because the U.N. can't do anything on their own, as we'll see as True. we get into this story. So, from what I can see, it all started with a man that would become Major General Muhammad Syed Barre. Uh, he was, you know, surprise, a military man, and he launched a coup d'etat October 21st, 1969. Um, which, October 21st is a, number, is a, a thing you're going to want to remember, because <clears throat> between next week and the week after next, we're going to mention October 21st Street a couple of times, because some... God awful shit happens there. Um, so this came kind of like hot on the heels of the assassination of Abdurashad Shermaki, who was the second president of Somalia. He would run the country with his government, uh, the Supreme Revolutionary Council, or the SRC, which we're going to refer to it as from now on because I don't want to keep saying that because it's a lot of words. Why the hell say it? <laughs> so they would arrest members of the former government, they banned rival political parties. Makes sense. Uh, dissolved the Supreme Court system and suspended the Constitution. Wow. So, Barre, Barre, whatever, is not a dictator, but his government is. Oh. So, he's a dictator by council. Okay. See? Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. This uh, isn't a Stalin situation. This is more no. like... I'm going to be an asshole, but I brought my buddies with me to help. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So um, it's really not – it's not me. It's it's them. It's us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's it wasn't, the collective. It wasn't all bad, though, because they did implement uh, some campaigns to increase uh, urban and rural literacy, which jumped the literacy rate dramatically in the country. Yep. Uh, we're talking from single digits into double digits of literacy in the country. Oh, wow. Because it's – Somalia back then was basically just farmers. They didn't, a lot of them didn't know how to read. A lot of them didn't know how to write. 
because they didn't have to. So really, ultimately, they were. It wasn't that. So they they're ultimately kind of like uh, uh, Fidel Castro. His all his starting off was <clears throat> was not um a bad thing where he yeah. wasn't he wasn't. Tr- Real, no, yeah, it wasn't. No, I, well, it was a revolution right, because well, he did, because him and everybody else in the country, because he he got, uh, I mean everybody loved him, you know. It wasn't until later that people started to fear him and hate him because he changed and became more like the old regime. Yeah, meet the new boss, same as the old boss. Yeah, because first yeah. off, I mean he was different. He just you know he, he wanted change. He wanted reform. He wanted to make things better. So he, he they started off the same way of saying, uh, we're going to get rid of this government because they don't give a shit about you. We do. When they get there, they're kind of like, but we really don't, you know? Yeah. Um, except his didn't start off good like Castro's did. His was just fucking right out the gate. Uh, this shit is coming to an end right now, within like the first month of him taking office. Okay. They fucking banned all these political parties they got rid of the the constitution and um their uh supreme court system and all that shit it was very quick they also nationalized a land and industry program that really wanted to kind of reconnect somalia with the rest of the arab world um as they're you know almost fully arab country and they joined the arab league in 1984 um the league's main goal is to, quote, draw closer the uh, relations between member states and coordinate collaboration between them to safeguard their independence, sovereignty, and to consider in a general way the affairs of and interests of the Arab countries. So basically, they were trying to make uh, Middle Eastern NATO, essentially. Okay. Um, but I'm assuming <laughs> probably a lot more fucking violent. Because <laughs> you're like... Hey, so we're going to take this whole area. We're going to make NATO. But fuck Israel. Because uh, they're here. Mm, something happens. You know. They don't like them. Yeah. Well, they, neither one of them like each other. Um, Israel doesn't like a lot of places that are, you know, in that region. Oh, yeah. Most of the places mm. in that region don't like Israel either. Yeah. They kind of fought a couple of wars over it. True. Very true. Yeah. Over the course of... Seven-ish hundred years. Well, not really. Not so much. I mean, Israel hasn't been a country for that No, long. no, I'm just saying there's been a lot of fighting there. Well, yeah, <laughs> for quite well, some time. Yeah, but that was a lot of, like, Romans and... <laughs> Everybody blames the fucking Balkans. It's like, eh, It's a lot of Romans. This one chunk of fucking land in the middle of nowhere about the size of Texas has caused some problems, too. Hey. I don't even know if it's that big, to be honest, but... Uh, I, th- I think it might be close to that it's 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 uh it's a you know heated heated area it's a hot spot if you will well because i mean you gotta think about it uh that's where that one area is where the three big religions Mm -hmm. in the world came from and they're at at worst they are step cousins to each other and everybody (laughs) no the religions they're they are they are actually like they're actually like half brother and sister, <laughs> half brothers to each other. I was gonna say we probably shouldn't throw sister in there. I don't think the Muslims would like that. <laughs> they are they're most definitely half brother to each other because yeah. well they have I reoccurring mean, characters between the three books. Yeah, 
It's like if Star Wars was written by three different people at the same time. Exactly. <laughs> we're not going to say that we're kind of the same. I mean, we're, we're not. Listen, but, fuck you, know. you we're not, because we came here and we stole this land fair and square from Indians and Mexicans. God damn it. What are you talking about? You know exactly what I'm talking about. No, 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 but what are you talking about? Oh, you, s- you said I'm not, I'm not going to say we're any different, and we are. No, 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 no. No, I was I was referring to the no, whoa, whoa, Jesus Christ! You just derailed it. You went to a totally different topic. I mister. went to America. You went to America, and I was still in fucking Israel. Oh, <laughs> well, anyway. So, uh, so Barre would actually also go on to become the chairman of the Organization of African Unity, which was actually not a bad thing. This was they would send delegates. They would well, they would attempt to send delegates from. Just about every delegates. Co- yeah, that's what I meant. Um, from every country in Africa. Fuck you. You can't talk anyway. Um, from every country in Africa, ex- except South Africa. Um, <gasps> you dirty bastards. And they they basically wanted to try to. It was essentially trying to find a way to make Africa one country, but with every country inside being its own province, to just have some unity there to like, let's not fucking kill each other constantly. Which, spoiler alert, that didn't work. It never will. No. <laughs> it never. No. Because, like, Boko Haram's still there, and it fucking uh, it's, warlords that kill children for diamonds and shit. You know. It's uh, not. Africa's never going to have any unity to it. No. I mean... Uh, that's, like, the the one fucking continent where there's... there's, there's if, if there's peace... It's like, it's the, I don't know. It's the one continent on the planet that's essentially been at war with itself since the dawn of time. Yeah, I mean, like, like part, actively fighting each other parts, regularly. Well, well not, I mean, parts of of uh, of the country of the continent, not country, but continent. Yeah, are are not always at war. No, I'm just saying there has been armed conflict there since the dawn of time, yeah. almost continuously. True. There's never been like full peace in Africa. Africa. Well, I mean, uh, I don't know about just since the time, but maybe. I mean, I mean, they were kind of selling each other to Europeans. Yeah, before that, slaves. though, there was and you they know kind of. It's, it's like with Native Americans. Everybody's like, oh, they they didn't go to war with each other until white people showed up. Bullshit. They've been killing each other for millennia. Well, yeah, I mean, before that, you know, you had the the Romans were were going and slaughtering people wholesale, and yeah, you know, I mean, you know, they had. There was shit going on, and you know, and then you had you know the Egyptians who were just kind of like you know, we fucking rule this shit. Not don't. fans of Jews. No, that's true. <laughs> but you know, kind of like you know, don't fuck with us type of thing. And still going to war with a bunch of people. Yeah. yeah. Um. Beyond that, the Congo <sighs> changes its name every three months because of a different true. fucking faction taking over. True. Uh, uh. I mean, yeah. Northwest Africa is essentially a war zone constantly because of all the diamond mines and shit like that there. Sierra Leone is not a good place to be. Well, isn't that like, yeah. Like, Kenya? Seems like it's like got Sud- its well, shit together, southern, southern Northwest, I guess. Southern Northwest? That's not a direction, sir. Well, no, because it's... Southern no, it, Northwest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there's that, that like, the, the fucking, um... Oh, my God. The, the L part... <laughs> Southern, no, southern northwest. Yes, 
Because if you go up to the northwest, it's the north southeastern part of it. The north, north west. Yeah. Not the north south because there is that's yes. North south still not a thing though. Okay, dickhead. <laughs> I'm going to draw a fuck. Well, if I had a no, fucking... No, you're not. You can't draw anyway. If I had a fucking... Just pull it up on Google Maps, asshole. <laughs> how the fuck... <laughs> Cocksucker. Why, why are we doing this? Cocksucker. How it's shaped and cut it. Oh, my fucking... God. Hold on. Hold on. Let's, let me fucking pull it up so you can try to explain this to me. Oh, my God. North, man. southeastern doesn't make sense. I know what you're trying to say, but you worded it really, really poorly. But no, like that whole fucking chunk, except for Morocco. Oh, okay. Listen, dickhead. Yeah. Up there. North, southwest. Yeah, like that whole chunk, except for like fucking Morocco and Ghana, have all been at war with each other almost constantly. Cause I mean, like, I heard like I like uh, what is it? Uh, um, I mean, you don't hear much out of like Morocco. Doesn't really have much of anything. Oh, cause it's still mostly French. Uh. I don't know what nothing the... bad's ever happened in Libya, you know. No. Burkina Faso seems like a pretty cool place to go. Uh-uh. No. Wait, Tunisia? That's pretty good. I guess Libya's okay. I guess I, I'm pretty sure I mean, Libya's there is not okay though. There are some stuff that happens. Yeah, but I mean, you don't really hear about it all that much because nobody gives a fuck about Africa. I mean, like the Sudan. I think you do. Sudan's pretty pretty bad. Like, <laughs> yeah. They, yeah, they send people over here to play basketball, but it's still a fucking war zone. I mean, a lot of a lot of play like Angola. I mean, it's pretty good, I guess. No, there's been a lot of nasty shit that's happened there too. Yeah, but nowadays it's kind of gotten better. And but I mean, it's like like a lot of the south, a lot of the south is like yeah, you go South Africa, like part the southern portion of uh-huh. Africa is kind of more like uh, poaching and stuff like that. Not not all not necessarily all poaching, but you know, it's uh, it's more Europeanized for the most part. Um, by force, I might add. Because well, uh, that's what happens. Yeah. So anyway, let's get back to talking about this shithole. <laughs> so in July of 1976, Barre disbanded the SRC in favor of his newly formed these fucking people and all their bullshit Somali Revolutionary Socialist Party, um, where he mixed the tenets of Islam and socialism, which sounds like a terrible fucking idea to me. The biggest part of what he wanted for his country was to become fully Muslim and fully self-sufficient. Okay. And he did not care how it became fully Muslim. Okay. Hint, hint, wink, wink. Like, hey, if, okay. you're, if your neighbor's a Christian, maybe you should just go kill him. Okay. We'll get rid of all of them that way. You know what okay. I mean? Yeah. That's, I mean, that's, uh, socialism is, is, is government-led, you know? Yeah, but, like religiously persecuting an entire people has never been a good idea. No, but that's just how, yeah, you know, shit rolls. I mean, nothing is ever good. I mean, especially fucking Somalia. Nothing has ever been good here. I mean, socialism is, you know, what has it, where, where has it actually like it stood up to the test of time anywhere? Venezuela. Probably the only one, that maybe. That didn't work out so hot, neither. But it's still there. They're eating fucking zoo animals and shit. But Venezuela is still yeah, socialist. And it's not working well. That's what we're saying, is it's never a good idea. Yeah, I mean... And, of course, now we're mixing church directly into state. Which, again, not a good idea. No, you no. Know? 
1977, something called the Ogaden War kicked off. And this was a, uh, a small-scale war over the Ogaden region, uh, which is claimed by both Somalia and Ethiopia. This was technically fought between Somalia and Ethiopia, but it was also fought between the U.S. and Russia, because this is one of the many little, like, proxy wars during the Cold War. Because um, the Soviets backed the Ethiopian forces and the U.S. backed the Somalis. Because backing people has never come back to bite us in the ass. No. Ever. No. Ever. No. Especially in this region of the world in general. No. Like, if you were to take this section and just draw two lines straight up through it, we've backed people in there, and it's always worked well. It has. You know, like Gaddafi and, it, you know, fucking Afghanistan. Yeah. Works great. Well, Works great. It's fine. Yeah, but Gaddafi, actually, like, with Libya, he fucking, uh, he, uh, that fucking country, if, if you don't listen to the, okay, we're going, we're going on a tangent here. <sighs> Again. If you don't listen to the fucking media and, uh, and all their bullshit, and if you actually look at the real stuff under Gaddafi, things were actually really fucking good. But then if you listen to people that left the country while he was in power, you realize he was also a huge piece of shit. Mm, yeah, but then if you listen to some people that were there, you actually go, he wasn't really, because they were fucking... People, it was the same thing with fucking Saddam know. Hussein. He was a piece of shit. No, he wasn't. Well, it depends on what, you know, what uh, form of... Uh, what fucking portion um, of Islam you're yeah. in. Yeah. But, you know... I mean, still... if you were Kurdish, you're fucked. Yeah, but <laughs> Gaddafi also had, like, fucking murder rooms and shit that he would have people set to just for his own entertainment. I don't know but about... Don't what? I don't know about that. Dude, there's fucking videos of them. I'm just it's saying, I don't know bad. about that. Uh, oh, yeah. I, I mean, I've just told that, you know, that there was fucking ton of gold there, then all of a sudden it, the gold came up missing. Yeah, no shit. I'm not saying who went and stole it, but... Probably the same people that left a fucking pallet of a billion and a half dollars on somewhere in the middle of the fucking desert and lost it. I know they're listening, too, Langley. <laughs> <laughs> so... <laughs> So this was kind of strange because Ethiopia was actually part of the Allied forces during World War II. So after the war, the Brits pulled out of what was then the Had and Ogadon regions. I'm so bad. Ah. No, I'm, I'm sorry. My brain, my brain went somewhere, and it was bad. Okay. Share. They must have been the messenger runners. No, that's Kenya. Ethiopians, too. Ethiopians starve to death. <laughs> but they run, too. No, they don't. No, no, no. Ethiopians can't run because they're fucking malnourished. That's how the old jokes go. No. The Kenyans are the fast ones because they have to run from lions. No, Ethiopians run, too. They're some some fast motherfuckers. Uh, yeah, but a fucking Kenyan has won the Boston Marathon every year since uh, 1832. So. Is it? Yeah. Pretty confident. Mm. <laughs> the first time he ran, he wasn't necessarily welcome, but he ran it anyway. <laughs> God damn it. Um, so, okay, so the Brits pull out of this area that was the, the, the Haud and Aganen regions that would actually become Somalia in 1960. So Somalia is a very young country still. Oh, wow. They didn't technically form until 1960. In September of 1974, the emperor, I swear to Christ, the emperor of Ethiopia was ousted by the military, uh, the military council that were calling themselves the Dirge. Um... Very fucking ominous. It sounds like a... I've heard the, that name, the, the Dirge. That's a 
it's Louisiana funeral music <laughs> is a dirge, but spelled differently. Um, so this obviously threw the country into turmoil, and another no group shit. emerged, which was the God damn it with these fucking groups and their acronyms. The Western Somali Liberation Front, or the WSLF. Okay. They were calling for the complete annexation of Ogaden by Somalia. They want this area that has traditionally been their land for a long-ass time. Um, it's very Palestine-Israel. You know, we're fighting over this chunk of land that we've both been on forever. Because or kind of like uh, another example is... Um the Auslan Lorraine territory, yep. which is, uh, you know, why Germany and France absolutely fucking hate each other. Yeah. You know, they, there's that one chunk of fucking land that, you know, one says is they'll take it, then they'll take it back. And then, you know, it goes back and forth. Yeah. Or that chunk of Ukraine that they've been fighting <laughs> over for goddamn ever. You mean the whole Ukraine? Yeah. yeah like that chunk <laughs> of it. <laughs> the majority of it. Huh. Uh, Wow, 19, I didn't realize. Yeah, that they so were... Somalia is pretty young. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah. So what? Wait. So what were they called before? Nothing. They they were just part of a fucking region, huh. essentially. Okay. Um, but it was a, a region of Ethiopia, and when the Brits moved out, it just kind of like divided. Okay. Um, so by 1977, the dirge was in full control of Ethiopia, and they were really, really hard on people, particularly. Particularly those in the WSLF. Oh, I'm sorry. And at that point in time, uh, the country has been completely converted over to Marxism. So, also, never a good idea. The new pipeline of Soviet weaponry helped, but they needed more. This is where we get into our fucking... Our proxy battles. The Kremlin ordered 15,000 Cuban troops to head to Africa, along with volunteers from North Korea and Yemen. Because they're all... Soviet countries, essentially. And this also ties back in, sort of, with uh, Rafal Genowitz, the guy that we covered, the uh, the Polak mercenary. That, yeah. Because uh, yeah. um, he fought uh, Cuban commies in Africa. So they were there for a long time. So with all that going on, Somalis asked for help, and Uncle Sam obliged. Bad idea, Uncle Sam. Uh, seeing an opportunity to shit on the commies, he's like, let's do it. Guns and ammunition are sent to the Horn of Africa. In October, the Somalis attempted their most significant offense, ooh, their most significant offense to capture the Ethiopian city of Harar. Here they faced 40,000 Ethiopian troops and 11,000 Cubans. Um, they're being backed by Soviet artillery and air, uh, air power also. The Ethiopians prevailed at Harar, and began to push the Somalis out of Ogaden uh, pretty quickly. It was from there. It was kind of like a full route. Like we're kicking these assholes out. Uh huh. By seventy, uh, by March of nineteen seventy-eight, the Ethiopians had captured almost all of the Ogaden area, uh, prompting the defeated Somalis to give up and uh, you know let the Ethiopians take claim to the region. After the defeat, uh, the Somali government started to shift. April 9th, 1978, gunfire kicked off in the village of Afgoy, just south of Mogadishu. A CIA estimate, I wonder how they got this fucking estimate, hmm, so quickly. Um, a CIA estimate has somewhere around 24 militia officers, 2,000 soldiers, and 65 tanks involved in the coup attempt. 
Again, how did the CIA know, CIA know about this coup? We've they, never done that before. Listen, they just happened to be there. Okay? Yeah, I was just, I was in town, and all of a sudden shit starts happening. They, like they, it always does, because I got uh, bad luck. They heard that there was a show that was really good that they wanted to see. And it so happened that they happened to be going through Ethiopia Listen, or, or Somalia at the time. Where there is civil unrest and CIA spooks at the same time, your government's being overthrown. It's one plus one. I don't believe it. We've never done it in South America. We've never done it in Africa. We've never done it in the Middle East. You know, never. Never happened. Southeast Asia. We never did in Iran either. No, definitely not, because Iran was a very, very fucking progressive country. Maybe. Up until like 1960, and then they're like, ha ha! Sharia, bitch! Yeah. We um, never did that there. Mm, nope. Um, so the fighting lasted for about a day and failed completely in the long run. 17 of the ringleaders were rounded up, questioned, and then executed at Barre's orders. Um, and that whole process lasted approximately 24 hours of rounding these guys up, questioning them, and then executing them. Hey. It's, it, you know. Swift. Justice. justice it is everybody deserves no <laughs> maybe not this swift like you know, a trial would be kind of cool eh, fuck but it again no constitution first so, off a it. a trial is just it's just a waste of time uh, apparently yeah you're asking when you're to, a dictator a trial is a waste of time it, it just means that you can't get to your other things fast enough because i mean you know you have to deal with yeah, this other, other bullshit to do. You, know. you know so i mean come on so sorry if you heard some weird shit in the background. <laughs> we just went back and did a quick listen. And uh, my fan under the table to keep my feet cool was making too much noise. So we had to shut that off. And you may hear my dryer. Because uh, welcome to the studio. One of these organizers of the entire thing that just so happened to sneak out of here. Unfortunately, I would say. Uh, because causes a lot of problems in the near future here. But he did sneak out. It's not completely out of the country. His name is Mohammed Farah Ayadid. You will come to know that name well over the coming weeks. <laughs> uh, Warlord piece of shit. So I know a lot of people have seen the movie. And everybody's going to think that the dude in all black in the movie with the fucking aviators and shit <clears throat> is Ayadid. No, it's not. It's not. He oh. was one of his generals. Yeah. No fucking completely different person. They never, they never actually were going after uh, Adid during that time frame. That, well, that they were trying to get to him, but they, right. but their ultimate goal at that point happened to be uh, the rest of his fucking snakes. Yeah, his fucking his top, some of his top guys, yeah. which they actually did get at that. Uh, some of them at a fucking cost. Um, True for both both sides. Yeah. <laughs> so by the late eighties, Barre and his political party became really like increasingly unpopular uh due to the loss of war with ethiopia and of course. his uh and his grip on the country starting to slip away hmm. this led to insurgent groups popping up some of which were being armed and supported by the dirge of ethiopia this is by i'm sorry what what year uh 19 this is 80s late 80s yeah okay um <clears throat> Okay. So okay. some of them are being armed by the dirge <laughs> out of Ethiopia. Mm -hmm. And you also have to remember, there's still a lot of fucking M16s kicking around because we gave them a lot of M16s, uh, as we tend to do, and then leave them for the population of the country that we just fought against. Um, 
sad Afghanistan noises. Unless we gave him to No, we actually gave him to him. Yeah, same difference, though. No, it's more Because, like, like, when we first went into Afghanistan, we were getting shot at with fucking 80s-era M16s. Because they well, still had them. Because we gave them yeah. to them yeah. to fight the Russians. Yeah. And then they took the Russians fucking Kalashnikovs. So, I mean... Good call, by the way. Um, I'm yeah. an AR, I am an AR platform fan, but I will not shit on the AK. Ever. No. Hasn't changed since 1947 for a goddamn reason. Oh, 762 is a, is a hardy round. If it ain't fucking broke, don't fucking fix it. It's a, it's a hardy round. I mean, that's why... I didn't care about the round. It's the fucking operation of the weapon itself. True, true. Okay. So easy... In the words of from the, the great movie Lord of War, so easy a child can use it. And they do. Um... So most of these groups would actually work together to overthrow the Somali government. And when it eventually collapsed January 26, 1991, the real fighting begins. And from here to 1993, there's a lot of shit that happens, and we're going to cover most of it. Um, so this is where the the country goes into the divide of, this of is the, into warlords. This is the beginning of the Somali <laughs> Civil War. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it turned into tribal warfare, which it kind of had been for quite some time, except now the tri- some of these tribes have split off from each other. Mm-hmm. And instead of just trying to take over another tribe's area, we're now trying to take over the entire country and the fucking power vacuum that's been left. The group that would emerge as the big one was the United Somali Congress. United Somali Congress. Yes, huh. which was led by Ali Mahadi Muhammad. And... General Muhammad Farah Ayadid. Yeah, he made himself a general. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Um, things were not good in Mogadishu under Adid. Um, no shit. <laughs> hunger has always been a problem in the, the Horn of Africa um, due to the difficulty of growing crops and being able to store them because it's so arid. Things tend to rot quickly because it's yeah. so fucking dry and hot. Yeah. Um, and it's a it's it's not a not a rich country. It's a very very poor country, um, and under Ayadid, hunger became a weapon in most of the cities, mainly Mogadishu, which is the capital. It got so bad that the UN Security Council passed Resolution Seven Thirty Three on January twenty third, nineteen ninety two. This is a full scale arms embargo on the country and an agreement to send humanitarian aid to Somalia due to the heavy losses of human life that are going on under the warlords. Mm-hmm. So here, one of the saddest statistics that we, I, that we have to date on the show, to be completely honest, is a really big reason that the UN is going in. Of the 10 million people in Somalia, over half of the population is what's considered to be in severe danger of starvation and malnutrition-related diseases. 300,000 people died outright in the first two to four months of 1992 due to starvation. Under uh, ID. Jesus. It doesn't... It just doesn't make any sense. If you're trying Over to... Over a quarter of a million people starved to death in four months. Yeah. Well, it's like, what do you... Tr- what's your goal? Is to fucking what? Wipe control. Out? Yeah. Control. You control, control the what? food. You control everything. Okay. So you... You're going to kill everybody. And then what are you going to have? Yes. Nothing? Yes. Just a fucking, you know... So you have a city where you don't no. have anybody. No. You're starving out the people you don't want around. The food is still being distributed to the people that you like that have sided with you. Everybody else gets nothing. 
They get to starve to death. Yeah, but some of those people are, you know, don't give, you know, don't, are just so poor they don't give two shits about anything. One death is a tragedy, a million is a statistic. Yeah. And that's kind of how it falls here. Um, under the order of UN Secretary and Possessor of possibly the best name I have ever had the pleasure of saying on this show, Secretary General Boutros Boutros Gali. What a fucking name. Yeah. Goddamn. Um, he's Egyptian dude, by yeah. the way. Um, the first United... I'm uh, sorry, the first United Nations operation in Somalia, or UNISOM-1, was set to be deployed. The UN meant well, but poorly executed the operation to the point that the U.S. stepped in and offered to take the lead on the operation, because that's what we do. The UN sucks at shit, so we have to be the ones to go in and actually do it. Yep. And at this point in time, the mission was changed to uh, the Unified Task Force, or UNITAF, which is what it'll kind of be known as for the rest of it. UNITAF forces were made up of about 37,000 personnel, of which 25,000 were American. Other countries that contributed to UNITAF were Australia, Bangladesh, Belgium, Botswana, Canada, Egypt, Ethiopia, France, Germany, Greece, India, Ireland for some fucking reason, Italy, Kuwait, Morocco, New Zealand, Nigeria, Norway, Pakistan, Saudi Arabia, Spain, Sweden, Tunisia, Turkey, the United Arab Emirates, the UK, and Zimbabwe. All part of the UN. Yep. And I feel like I just did that whole fucking Animaniacs song where he names every country <laughs> in the world. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, never breathing. Uh, so the main part of the U.S. force at this point was from the Marine Corps. Yep. The Marines don't get sent in on humanitarian aid. They get sent in to kill shit. And they will tell you that. We're not here to help people. We're here to kill people. And sometimes you kind of have to to help other people. You know. True. Um, I mentioned this because, uh, one of those Marines was a man by the name of Hussein Muhammad Farah Ayadid, the, uh, the son of the warlord who, uh, I think, I think next week's Patreon episode is going to be him because he's got a fucking wild life. Okay. Yeah. Um, came over here as a kid, did some shit, other shit happens. Interesting. So not much with this operation really went well from the jump, and it came to a head June 5th of 1993. The Pakistanis involved were doing a routine inspection of some of, of, some of these, uh, uh, their uh, authorized weapon storage sites, or AWIS. Um, and this was a problem because the warning for the inspection came on the 4th, which is uh, the Muslim, uh, which, I'm sorry, came on Friday, the 4th, which is uh, Muslim Sabbath. I indeed wasn't around for the warning saying, hey, we're going to come in and inspect your shit. The responsibility fell to his lieutenant, Abdi Hassan Awale, and he threw an absolute shit fit about it because he said, I am, quote, I am not qualified for being here during the inspection. <laughs> You're this guy's lieutenant. I'm pretty sure you can stand there and let these fucking dudes come in and look at shit. No, no, he's not. You, Listen. Know, you ain't got to do shit other than stand there. And not do anything stupid. Yeah, but the thing is, you know, that's the part, is he's not qualified to stand there. Yeah, exactly. He didn't go to qualification school. I didn't for go to vocation school for standing around, goddammit. Yeah, I mean, if you, ha you have to qualify for it, and he didn't qualify. He didn't. He failed. So, I mean, 
you know, that was, that's the part. That, sorry. But. So the UN's basically like, yeah, cool. Anyway, um, and they go in for the inspections. Uh, another thing that was considered a little suspicious by IDEED's guys was the fact that only his stores were scheduled to be inspected that day. None of the other warlords were. Okay. <laughs> Surprise! Well, here's the thing. They were scheduled on different days. Because there's so many of them and so few UN forces that can actually go out and do it. Yeah. So you can't check everybody's shit in one day. This isn't the TSA. You're not going to bring your shit to them. No. No, they have to go to you. Yes. Because they don't want you wandering around the fucking streets of fucking Wild West Africa with AKs all over the place. They want you to leave your shit in, pl- in place so they can go look at it. You know, this isn't a fucking gun buyback program. You leave your shit there, we'll come look at it. So what you're trying to say is I can't take my shit anywhere? I have to They didn't want you to. It's like, the, again, like the Wild West. <sighs> it's bullshit. You can have your guns, you just can't have them in town. Just like in Tombstone. Well, I don't agree with We that. ain't saying you can't have guns, we're just saying you can't have guns in town. Well, listen, you know... Some when there's an active fucking war going on, maybe leave your shit there and, like, you know, whatever. Um, You're cramping the... St- no, now it's just cramping the style. Well, it sure fucking did. No. Um, How do they expect to fucking, <laughs> you know, to, to move shit around if they have to keep it there? Well... It's bullshit. It wasn't that you had to keep it there. It's that, it's that when they were moved, they had to be stored in an approved area. You couldn't just, like, fucking, hey, Abu, we're going to just stick all this shit in your basement. No, you have to have it in a secure area. They have to basically have it in, like, an armory. So one of these locations that's going to be searched was Radio Free Somalia, which is a small local station that was run by ID forces. And it was used to ramp up pretty pretty hefty on the hate on, the, on UN forces. Uh-huh. Uh, he personally would take to the airwaves and accuse the UN of, quote, colonizing and having imperial... Ide- I'm sorry, and having ideas of imperialism and... uh designs on taking over which eh, maybe but not right now we got to first get rid of all the assholes and then we can recolonize africa well i mean yeah. there's steps to this don't yeah. make me send fucking leopold here you seen what he done in the congo he'll come up here and fuck you guys up in the desert he don't give a shit okay maybe leopold's dead but we'll go get one of his you know he's got a kid somehow somewhere. we're gonna potentially talk about one of his bastard children at some point in time too because he was a bad motherfucker um, I mean, uh huh. Yeah. So, so there, you know, there, there, where there's a will, there's a way. Anybody that wants to look that up, please don't, because it's not hard to find, and he's a crazy son of a bitch. Um, so, back to the day of the inspection, the Pakistanis enter the radio station, and as they did, they met an angry mob of Somalis, yelling things like "Unisom, go home." You know, very, very, <laughs> fucking terrible. Um, by the way, I just remembered Unisom is also a sleep aid. So, these people take Unisom when they go on an airplane and shit. Yeah. Um, and it got to be about 10 a.m., and the, inspe- yeah, the inspection's starting to wrap up. And uh, gunfire just kind of erupts from five different directions surrounding the radio station. The Pakistanis return fire, but they're badly outnumbered. And again, another running theme throughout these next few episodes is being crazy outnumbered in a shit situation. Um, and these guys were not loaded for bear. They weren't going in here to fight. So they had like kind of the bare minimum of it of ammunition. Yeah. Um, think of the, the magazine you got in the rifle. It may be like three or four more, whatever you can stuff in your pockets. Um, 
And the Somalis don't have that problem because they got fucking ammo and guns everywhere. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, one of the Pakistani soldiers that survived this told a story of a few of his squad mates pulling wooden planks off of windows and using them to swat live grenades back out at the Somali attackers. You want to know why this works? Because Pakistanis are really good at fucking cricket. That thing hits the ground, they're just like fucking whap. Because it's the same shape. Homa! Yeah. <laughs> it bounced once, I can swing. That's all I know about cricket. It bounced yeah. once, I'm allowed to swing at it. I just batted for a century. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know what the fuck that means, but... He swats some shitty Russian grenade back out into some Somali guy and knocks his teeth out and then... You know, you know, I mean, I don't tragedy know. strikes. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what you know why, why you need to you know claim that you batted for a century or or more. I don't know. It was that maybe stereotyping saying Pakistanis are good at cricket. Maybe no, but they they're are. good at it. It's like saying black guys are good at basketball. Yeah, they're good at it. Oh my god! No, Pakistanis are good at cricket. Yeah, they are. So are Indians. They're true. They are. so are the Australians. True, but cricket's a stupid fucking sport. I think we can all agree on that. I don't. I'm not gonna say it's a stupid sport because it's a confusing sport. Therefore, a stupid. Because sport. part of it is where um, baseball came from. We perfected it. Cricket is stupid. Well, because we combined it. We combined the game of base, okay, and cricket to make baseball. Fuck cricket. Baseball is superior. I don't disagree. You better not. I don't disagree. I'll end this bitch right now if you do. No, you <laughs> no cricket's actually kind of better than baseball. Fuck you. No. And the argument I just had with you in my head for some reason. I know you did. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I just was, I was like, okay, I'll just let him finish, you know. So this was a, this was a well-coordinated uh, attack. This didn't just fucking pop up. This wasn't a, you know, spontaneous mm. thing. It's almost right. like they planned it. I don't. Because they had 24 hours to go. These guys are going to be here. We know where they're going to be. I bet we could get a bunch of people together and fucking kill them all. We'll fill their heads with a bunch of shit, and we'll say, they have your food, go get your food. Right? We don't even have to do that. They're in with your guns. Oh. They're, yeah, so... Okay, okay. So take the guns that you already have, and then come kill these guys. Yes. Yeah, make okay. it... You know, we'll pretend that they attacked us, because that's another thing that we're going to have to deal with. A little over a mile away, another hundred Pakistanis are headed back to uh, where they're stationed in a convoy of trucks. Yep. They stopped to remove a wall of uh, tires that the Somalis had set up as a roadblock. Somalis love tire roadblocks. They love roadblocks. Love them. They like tires in general. Yeah. Because this is also the country where they did shit like necklacing, where they would take a tire, jam it down over the top of your body to pin your arms together, fill it with gasoline, and set it on fire and roll you down the street. Because mm-hmm. tire, yeah, you because know, tires burn at like fifteen hundred degrees Fahrenheit. Because mm-hmm. fuck Celsius, I don't give a shit about it. Um, and that will legitimately melt your bones. So, great place to be. Um, so what as a time. What's that? <laughs> it's a great time. What a fucking time to be alive. <laughs> um, so as they're clearing the roadblock, they come over. Yeah, they come under pretty heavy fire. Um, I bet he doesn't survive down two blocks. <laughs> yeah. Some fucking kid chasing it with a stick, just keeping it going. <laughs> No, no! You're supposed to let him roll free. No, dude, it's like the the bullshit the kids in New York City used to do with a fucking hoop and a stick, and they'd fucking roll oh, it. Oh, it's yeah. everywhere. Except this kid's got a busted ass bodor, and he's running in his fucking cardboard sandals, chasing this uh, thing, poking it, keeping it rolling. Yeah, they're poor. That's kind of what it, it's going to happen. Um, 
Anyway, so they come under pretty severe small arms fire from both sides of the street. Um, and according to General Ikram of the Pakistani forces, they fought for two and a half hours in a narrow stretch of road. So there's very narrow little section. There's buildings on both sides of you. Yep. And you're being shot at from less than 50 feet for two and a half hours. I would have to stop to shit my pants three times during that period. I bet you there was a lot of that, a lot of fucking over the head fire. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not the most accurate folks, the Somalis. Um, because uh, I was saying on the both sides. Oh, no, because the, the, the Pakistanis are trained by UN, which is trained by us. So they actually know how to shoot. Oh. Yeah. Uh, so, in the course of the fighting, a call for help goes out, and the fucking Italians respond. They send hey. out a... <laughs> <laughs> How many times have we mentioned the Italians aren't good at war? No. Quite a few. Um, anyway, so they send out a helicopter gunship, and they open fire, wounding three Pakistanis and zero Somalis. So, uh, they must have had the pasta fingers. Yeah. I got fucking marinara on the controls. I can't hit nothing. Uh, God damn it, Tony. So the U.S. then goes, okay, we've got rangers in the area. So they send, oh. in, they send in ranger team 2-1. Uh, they insert by Humvee. Uh, and uh, they kind of just fucking cruise through Mogadishu on their way there. Uh, they destroyed several technicals, which are... Technicals are hard to explain because they're not really one thing. It's basically if they took any assorted four-wheel drive vehicle that they could find, took all of the comfort features out of the interior, cut the roofs off, build a, a, a fucking roll bar over the top of it, and just mount machine guns on them. And occasionally put a tractor seat up there so you can sit down while you're shooting. That's a technical. It, a te- it's like porn. You don't, You can't explain it, but you know it when you see it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and they come in all fucking, they come in all shapes and sizes. They're they got fucking summer cars. They got GL metros. Mm-hmm. I've seen. Um, yeah, summer cars, summer trucks, yeah. summer SUVs, this, fucking yeah. vans, anything that you can mount a gun on and drive at the same time. They can turn into a technical. Exactly. Um, There's some kind of you know mounting system, and you fucking they're just sitting there. Bah, 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 bah. I've decided that after I get my new vehicle. Um, if I ever decide to retire the Walrus, which is my Toyota pickup, uh, I want to turn it into a tactical. <laughs> just put a mount up there for my twenty-two and just ride through the woods and just fucking tick, 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 and shit. <sighs> It'd be so much fun. It, you can't drive it though, so whatever. It's a shtick shift. Um, so anyway, uh, they come through and they are just butt fucking technicals. They kill a couple of the dudes that are on them. Um, the Rangers proceed to link up with the Pakistanis and fight off the Somali snipers that have, that have joined the fight here. Um, that, and these guys are just popping up from all these windows and rooftops. They're hard to find because there's so many. Yeah. Um, like gophers. Oh, it, it's oh, like it's oh. like whack-a-mole, but with an AK-47, you know? Yeah. Um, the, Pakistan, uh, the Pakistani captain then sent the Rangers to clear out a nearby bombed-out building, which the militants were using as, sniper, as a sniper position. Um which this was preventing the Pakistanis from moving forward or you know, being able to even retrieve their wounded. The Americans clear the building floor, to, uh, floor by floor, um, get into some pretty intense close quarter fighting, um, and they wipe out 
pretty much all the snipers that they can, including one that is a uh, like a street and a half over on a rooftop that one of these guys picked off with a two two three. It's impressive, mm-hmm. considering they most likely had a iron sights or some kind of a not great scope, I would assume. Um, because the Delta guys got all the cool toys. These were these dudes were like, "Here's your fucking bare ass M16. Go have fun, kid." You know. No, the Rangers had. Rangers had stuff. Yeah, they didn't have as much cool shit though. No, they did. Oh, dude, no. The 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 Delta boys had some really cool stuff. Yeah, but Ranger snipers during this time they still had. These everything. weren't snipers. These were just fucking Rangers that are out there with their like M16A4s. Just. They're but they but their special forces. They had the shit. Not like no. Okay. Anyway. So with this done, the Rangers use a satchel charge to destroy the obstruction blocking the road, allowing the Pakistani convoy to escape. Um, the ambush killed a total of 24 Pakistani soldiers, um, 57 wounded for the Pakistanis, three Americans, and one Italian were all wounded. How the fucking Italians were wounded, I have no idea, because they were in a goddamn helicopter, and all they did was shoot at the Pakistanis. <laughs> and you know, there's it, like... The asshole, like, the fucking Italian pilot's just like, ah, oh, fuck it, shoot them all, who cares? <laughs> I mean, we, if we kill all of them, apparently all of them will figure out which ones are his. Because, you know, I mean, technically they're all... Anyway. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, yeah, but if it, you, Pakistanis are in there, too. They're, they're, you know, they're Muslims. So. Like I said, kill them all and fucking all I will figure out which ones belong to him today. Um Yes, the yeah. next month on July 12th, the first attempt to capture ID would take place. Um, maybe maybe capture is not the right word. So keep in mind that these orders for this particular operation came directly from the White House. President Clinton was like, yeah, yeah I think it's a good idea. And then we uh, we proceeded to do Wait, this. Wait, when was this? Uh, 19, late 1992. Or Bush, whichever. Bush, it was Bush. Because <coughs> so, Bush, Bush sent him in, and then then uh, then Clinton C- did come in after. CIA Bush, not dipshit Bush. Um, so th- th- this came directly from the president, regardless. After all of that, I'm kind of starting to fade out. I could probably go grab a coffee. How about some Magic Mind? We can or go beyond coffee with Magic Mind. We can. It does a lot of the same stuff that your coffee's gonna do, except you don't get the weird buzzy rush and then come down and feel like crap from it afterwards uh, because it's all natural it is so it'll give you some energy help you relax which is weird that it does both at the same time but it also helps keep you focused which is the thing that i use it for the most because i have a hard time staying focused on just about everything and i kind of use it to stress relief yeah relaxation and you know what i did find that I use it for focus as well. Yeah. And it comes in a neat little bottle. If you have to, like the way I was doing it, as I'd grab it out of my fridge in the morning, I'd stick it in my pocket, I'd get to work, have a little bit of breakfast, have my OJ, pound this, you know, chase it with the orange juice. But you can mix it in with your coffee. Uh-huh. Um, you can also mix it in with some other stuff. You can make like a tea with it, stuff like that. But or, it works great. I just shotgun it first thing in the morning. Yeah. Bop. Like I said, I shotgun it, <laughs> chase it with orange juice. And uh, you're back in business. Yes. Go over to magicmind.co. That's magicmind.co forward slash windows. And uh, you throw some in your cart and you want to try it out. You can get 20% off your first order with the code Windows 20. And then if you do the subscription, 
you'll get 20 extra percent off of your first order for your subscription brings you up to 40 percent it even helped me do math better and that's over at magicmind.co promo code windows 20 go beyond coffee and wake yourself up in the morning so a conference of high-ranking elders intellectuals businessmen um, and clansmen with a c um, of the habir gadir uh, which uh, is the clan that Idid belongs to, along with some other prominent members of other Somali clans, uh, such as the Ogadani, uh, the Deer, the Majartine, uh, Sikal, and Morasade. Uh, so these guys, the, all these clans are allied together, I guess, or maybe affiliated together would be a better term. Uh -huh. um, anyway, a lot of their high-ranking members are here in this house having a meeting. Um, they're, you know, this is trying to, you know, this is set up to respond to a peace in, uh, a peace initiative, initiative, Jesus Christ, a peace initiative that was, uh, handed out by Admiral Jonathan Howe, who obviously U S Navy, um, not a lot of Jonathan Howe's I don't think in the Pakistani military could be wrong <laughs> again, stereotyping a little bit. Um, a handful of the elders, including the most senior of the, of the Habir Gadir, um, who was uh, Sheikh Haji Muhammad Erman Aden, which is a goddamn name and a half. Yeah. And he don't surf. Uh, they all met with Howe three days earlier, and uh, he had kind of, like, almost begged them to find a peaceful resolution to this fucking war, um, which has been raging. But it's literally... Star it's <laughs> The Somali Civil War has been going on for four weeks at this point in time. And this shit is already getting out of, out of hand. Um, so he's trying to find a, a, a happy middle ground between Idid's guys, the what's left of the Somali military, and Unisom, which is now Unisom 2, because they passed a different resolution to do some other bullshit because the UN is completely useless. Abdi Kwai Kwaibaladas? Kwaibaditas? Whatever. Uh, <laughs> Who knows? So anyway. Sounds good to me. Anyway, fucking Abdi's house is the one that's selected for the talks between all of these high, higher ups in the clans. Okay. Um, because it's got a really, really big main room on the second floor where everybody can get together, sit on the floor. They got some couches and shit. We can all just kind of sit here and talk. Uh, the meeting had been publicized in Mogadishu's newspapers as a peace conference the day before. Uh, and an American war correspondent in Mogadishu was there to witness what was about to happen. Uh, his name is Scott Peterson. And he corroborates the Somali account that a group of elders had gathered to discuss how to end the violence between the SNA and the UN forces. Again, a CIA informant inside the clan. So they've got a fucking insider. They've flipped somebody. Surprise, surprise. Um, past intelligence that a meeting was about to take was a, uh, was going to take place, um, and he basically told him, hey, there's going to be a lot of very important people at this meeting, um, and it's going to take place June 5th, 1993. Adid himself did not approve of the meeting, so he kind of hung back because his role as the leader of this clan is kind of has kind of been in question since he took over because mm -hmm. they're like, what gives you the fucking right to just come in and be like, yeah, this is mine now. Other than the fact that you've d 
decided you're a general all of a sudden. So he's allegedly tipped off that something bad's about to happen to this conference, and uh, he decides he's not going. Which almost makes you wonder if he was a fucking CIA plant in the first place. Because, like, a lot of this shit happened with Osama bin Laden, too, where it's like, some shit's gonna happen, and he wasn't there. You know what I mean? Or the informant was a double agent. I wouldn't be shocked by that either. Because what are you gonna? What do you have more loyalty to? Fucking CIA money or people that you possibly know? Both. No. <laughs> um, I'm just saying. I think I th- I like it if it's both. So for because a- money talks. Yeah, but you also don't want to watch. Uh, but also being not being killed by the, this other guy, you know, yeah. kind of uh, helps out too. So for at least a week before the raid, American special forces kind of staked out the compound from different areas, um, did a lot of surveillance. Um, and the reason that they were doing so much surveillance is because I and other higher ups in his organization are going to and coming from this house constantly. Like, a few times a day. They keep going, keep going, keep going. So these guys are getting all boned up, and they're like, we know where he's going to be. So the QRF uh, had been on standby for a few days, kind of waiting for the go word. And uh, they're prepared to, I mean, they're prepared to be in the air and ready to fight within five minutes. Because these dudes are, they don't fuck around. Rangers and Delta do not fucking play. No. Early that morning, the U.S. State Department issued a warning that that the CIA had received a memo revealing a plan by the SNA to launch a large-scale attack on U.N. officials in Mogadishu. Um, This was given to American commanders, and uh, they used it as an excuse that they needed to launch the assault. In the aftermath of the attack, it'd be found that the CIA information had been incorrect the whole time. We're good at war. We're not good at research. No, you just don't pay enough. (laughs) So following confirmation of the code word Michigan, an armada of 17 helicopters took off from the Mogadishu International Airport and surrounded the villa. They were there from takeoff to hovering over this motherfucker in seven minutes. So that's like, get your shit, put your shoes on and get in the fucking car. We got to go. And they were ready. They were in the air and over this place in seven minutes. Pretty impressive. Hmm. Um, well, that's pretty good. Around 1018 uh, in the morning, a CIA informant named Omar Hassan Ganay uh, uh, have better fucking names. <laughs> and all I can think when I see Omar is like, oh, Omar coming. Because the wire is fucking fantastic. <laughs> Literally, probably the best TV character that's ever existed. Okay. So, you got to watch that show. I'm telling you. Um, so he walks out of the meeting uh, to the main gate of the compound in full view of the waiting attack helicopters. And then had just he's just kind of hanging out, watching these helicopters flying around. And he's smoking a cigarette like, huh? Wonder what the fuck's going on here? You know, um, huh. it must be out for a ride or something. I don't know. Yeah. Seconds later, following visual confirmation of this of the signal, and without any warning, six AH one 
Cobra attack helicopters and four OH-58 Kiowas launched a total of 16 tow missiles <laughs> and uh, 2,200 rounds of 20-millimeter cannon fire into the gathering. Um, they fired almost continuously for a total of six minutes. Well, they turned this motherfucker inside out. Um, tow missiles are nothing to be trifled with in the first place. And they fired 16 of them into this one house and then unloaded, um, literally almost a ton of 20 millimeter ammunition. Um, so, I mean, if you think about it, where, as we've been informed recently, a nine millimeter will blood Eagle you imagine what a 20 millimeter will do. It'll kill your entire family. Even if they're in a different country. It'll, it'll kill your ancestors. It'll make sure it'll wipe you from the fucking history books. But uh, in all seriousness, you know, a, a 20 millimeter round to the chest would probably explode you. So they specifically, especially with the rockets, targeted the roof to try. <laughs> because if we can't see them to kill them, we're just going to drop all this shit on top of them. And we're going to try to block off the stairwells so that nobody can escape. Um. Chief Warrant Officer Chris Robin has this to say about the situation. Quote, our orders were to destroy the conference room on the second floor where everybody was supposed to be meeting. Then we were to, to yeah, then we were to destroy the, st uh, the staircase in the back of the house so no one could get away. I was flying security for battle position. One of my jobs was to wax anybody if they tried to leave the compound or if they came outside and tried to shoot at us. Then I was supposed to destroy the front gate of the compound so that the infantry could get in. Surprise! It's not over yet! <laughs> Moments before the tow missiles hit the building, uh, Abdi had just begun addressing the crowd and approximately 80 to 90 Somalis that had uh, gathered in the second floor of the house. Um, present among them were prominent sheiks, former judges, famous poets, professors, intellectuals who all represented the most respected and best educated of the Heber Gadir. These are non- fucking combatants these dudes are not in the streets with rifles shooting at helicopters they're not promoting violence these are the people that are like maybe we should figure out how to not do this uh yeah <laughs> so most notably the habir gadir's most senior elder sheikh haji muhammad iman adan which again great name this fucking guy was 92 years old uh, he was instantly killed when the first tow missile struck the building. Uh, Surprise. Yeah, I, I would like I like to think that this one came through the roof and it's like, no, not yet. And then it hit him in the chest and it's like, now's my time. Boof. And it just fucking no. unleashed. Uh, so there was other elders that were all directly sitting against the wall of the conference room that was hit. A highly regarded poet, Malal, Malalam Sanyan. Uh, he also died in the airstrike. Other Somalis from the, from other clans that were in attendance were also killed. Obviously, because we've just fired a fucking bucket of missiles at these guys and then had to reload the 20 millimeters, I'm assuming. Like, shit, we ran out. Feed them again. Um, these goddamn Bookler and sons of bitches, <laughs> they'll get theirs. Uh, Mark Bowden, the author of Black Hawk Down, had a really, really good quote in his book, and I thought that this would be a good place to share it. What Farah saw and heard was a flash of light and a violent crack. 
He stood and took one step forward and heard the whoosh of a second missile. There was another flash and explosion. He was thrown to the floor. Thick smoke filled the room. He tried to move forward, but his way was blocked by bodies, a bloody pile of men, and parts of men a meter high. Those who survived the first blast were feeling along the wall, groping for the door, when the second missile exploded. The air was thick with dark smoke and smelled of powder, blood, and burned flesh. Farah found the stairs, stood, and had taken one step down when a third missile exploded, disintegrating the staircase. He tumbled to the first floor. He sat up, stunned, and feel, uh, felt himself for broken, blow, uh, for broken bones and wet spots. There was another explosion above him, then another, and another. So this dude got fucked the fuck up. Yeah. And survived. He got shot to a different floor by a goddamn rocket. And he was like, ah, I'm good. I didn't even break nothing. Um, so you wonder why they may have been a little salty. Be like, ah, yeah, time time for us to kill some of you assholes. Um, among those killed were multiple women who had been serving tea for the gathering, children who happened to be playing in the villa's courtyard, and, civi- uh, ci- yeah, and civilians who had been hit by stray 20-millimeter rounds. Yeah. Yeah. So, Aideed, again, was not present at this meeting. So. Are we surprised by We'll these? show you, motherfucker. We'll kill all these innocent people and be like, uh. Why'd you do that thing that you done, you know? Um, at 10.23 a.m. Oh, if, did, did we mention this happened in broad motherfucking daylight? This happened at 10 o'clock in the morning. Of course. This wasn't like fucking night raid coming in while everybody's sleeping and shit. No. Nah. These guys haven't had lunch yet. They've had one prayer for the day, I'm assuming, because I think they do, what, five? And I don't think 10.30 is one of them. No, um, they do uh, two. That was more than that. No, they do uh, two whatever. morning and uh, well, they might do a lot. They might do three, well, because I think they do morning, afternoon, and then evening. Well, the homeboys missed fucking lunch, is what we're saying. Um, one minute at, so ten twenty three, which is one minute after the Cobras had stopped their assault in the villa. Three of the waiting Blackhawk helicopters landed in the vicinity of the uh, of the building. Uh, one of the Blackhawks contained the support platoon tasked with covering the assault platoon who landed on the roof of the French embassy uh, and provided a vantage point. According to the 22nd Infantry Regiment, a primary participant in the raid, uh, the assault platoon then made its way from uh, from the street into the compound and into the house to search for surviving, quote-unquote, leadership and any uh, valuable intelligence that they might be able to find. Probably not going to find anything because you literally just walked into a smoldering ball of shit that yeah. these helicopters created. Um the two other Blackhawks landed on the street uh, in front of the meeting, and troops from there uh, streamed out and started to cordon off the area. Uh, helicopters participa- uh, participating in the raid would drop a total of 22 CS gas grenades to chase away gathering crowds of onlookers. And like according to some of the stuff that I, I've... Because I've been reading and listening to Black Hawk Down, um, mm-hmm. the Somalis fucking hated the helicopters, especially the Blackhawks, because... <clears throat> when they would come down, the backwash was so strong from the rotors that it would blow people down the street. Yeah. Uh, there's one story that uh, Bowden tells in the book of a woman walking from the, uh, she was walking from uh, Bakara market, which is another place we'll talk about. And um, she had her kid with her. who's like, it was like an infant, like uh, you know, nine, 10 months old. 
and this helicopter came in super low and blew the child out of her arms and she never saw it again. Like it, it sucked her child out of her hands and just fucking yeeted him down the street. Um, so an American AH one Cobra would fly over crowds of Somalis gathering around, uh, around Abdi's villa. Um, According to a, a survivor of the attack, American troops stormed the compound after the strike and killed 15 survivors at close range with pistols. Um, which is a charge that the American commanders obviously are like, nah, we didn't do that. Which, I mean, maybe. Um, maybe. Probably. Um, I'm wondering more if it would be more out of uh, putting them out of their fucking misery. Yeah. Or just like, nah, fuck these guys and just, you know, braining them. Um, one pilot claimed that the troops on the ground had engaged in sporadic gunfights with some of the survivors. Um, the entire assault was filmed from one of the helicopters, but has never been seen publicly. So they didn't actually do that. That's just what we're being told to say. The UN account detailed in a, in a blue book, which I'm not sure exactly what that means. Um, claims that it took nine minutes for troops to clear the area, search the villa and depart all while leaving, um, a little bit earlier than they really expected to be marking the Abdi house raid as the fastest operation that has been conducted by Unisom to date. CNN receives footage of the raid from a Somali cameraman showing the second floor of the conference room covered in quote, shattered limbs protruding through the rubble. Um, but it was deemed too disturbing and gruesome to show on the air, which fuck it. Let's see it. You know, um, war's not pretty. It's we'll see it for more education purposes than anything. So in the two and a half years since the Civil War had be, had come to Mogadishu, Bloody Monday, which is what this event would come to be called, mm -hmm. represented the deadliest loss from a single attack in the city. Um, according to the Red Cross, 54 Somalis were killed and another 161 injured. Somalis claim that the killed were actually 73 and 200 injured. Um, Inflation number because, you know, and that's what you... It, it's also possibly more accurate. You know, because it's not a it's not a crazy inflation. That's not like oh, they killed six hundred of them. It's yeah, 73. but, but it's... the thing is, is you got to make numbers look worse so that you know when it comes down, you can be like, well, look what happened, right? You know, but I mean, fifty four and seventy three. That's that's a, a rounding error. I know. Former National Security Advisor Anthony Lake said, "Quote: The raid was not specifically designed to kill people." Which is why we fired 16 fucking rockets into a building full of unarmed people. But it wasn't designed to kill people. We're just trying to shake them up. <laughs> Which I mean, uh, uh, a fucking dozen and a half rockets being fired through the roof of your house will probably shake you up. Yeah, It'll get you up and moving in the morning. I don't know about that. I mean, somebody might be sleeping still. Yeah, <laughs> Permanently. Especially that fucking 97-year-old 97, <laughs> 97 man that took one of these in the back of the head like a goddamn sniper shot. It's true. Uh, September 21st of that year, 50 rangers fast roped from Black Hawk helicopters into a compound in Mogadishu and arrest Osman Hassan Ali, also known as Mr. Otto. Um, I mean, they strafed the dog shit out of the compound first. Um and they killed a handful of his security force and kind of fucked up his precious car, his Fiat 124, which it's a fucking Fiat. It's nothing special. It's it's a pile of shit. It's a Fiat. Okay, sure. You know, um, the Rangers. That, that's that's one man's opinion. That's most people's opinions because Fiats suck. I don't um, know, man. 
so the Rangers took him and three others into custody. And this is done because Otto was one of Idid's top guys. He was his quote unquote principal advisor to the militia. Mm. Um, Otto was also one of the few people in Somalia to have ever been, you know, ever become a millionaire. And he made his money trafficking guns. And he also controlled the cot trade. Uh, cot is a narcotic plant that they would chew on. It's kind of like a, they got like painkiller effects and shit like that. We talked about it in our war on drugs episode, which is fun. I went back and listened to that the other day. That was a good episode. That was a lot of fun. Um, go back and listen to it. It was a fucking hoot. Uh, there's a, the picture is a dude shotgun and weed smoke into another dude's mouth in like the fucking jungles in Vietnam. Looks like a fucking wonderful time. So he also imported the for, uh, foreign vehicles to his quote garages where the militia men would strip them down to make technicals. Um, uh, we already went over what a technical is. And when it comes to uh, Mr. Otto, if you've seen Black Hawk Down, he's the guy at the very beginning that they arrest. Yeah. Um, <laughs> where they're floating around, floating along in the little bird and fucking, uh, I think it's, uh, it's either Gordon or Shigart. Uh, uh, plugs the uh, the engine block. No, and, it's uh, Gordon. And shuts the car down, which is not how it happened. This no. is how it happened. They they weren't just like he wasn't cruising along, and you know. Well, I mean, you, that's that's not you know. Well, I bring that up because he has a quote about it. Okay. Um, but you know, obviously, then they they get out and they're just like on the window, like, "Hey, fella, roll him down," you know. Kind of funny because he didn't interview with uh, the BBC. Otto said that many of the movies are factually correct, but there are some that are incorrect. He took exception with the quote unquote ostentatious character chosen to portray him. Quote, I do not look like the actor portray uh, that portrayed me smoking cigars and wear, uh, wearing earrings. So he's, he's like, he was upset over the, uh, the casting choice. Um, he, the guy, the guy wore an earring. Yeah. I don't remember that. Yeah. He had like a little like fucking gold stud thing going on. I remember that. And he took exception to that. He's like, I don't wear earrings. I'm not a girl. I know. You know. That he smoked cigars and he had an earring. Uh, Wow. (laughs) SEAL Team 6 sniper Howard E. Wasden, uh, who in his 2012 memoir, wrote a a memoir in 2012, indicated that the character in the movie ridiculed his his captors. and when he got there on scene, uh, Otto was actually more concerned that th- these men had been sent here to kill him rather than capture him. Um, Otto additionally stated that he was uh, he was not consulted about the project or approached for permission <laughs> to uh, appear in the film. Um, and surprise, uh, and he he tore it apart for the ina- the inaccuracies uh, again from him. First of all. When I was caught on September 21st, I was only traveling with one Fiat 124, not three vehicles, as it shows in the film. And when the helicopter attacked, people were hurt, people were killed. The car we were traveling in, and I had, uh, and I have, uh, oh shit, and I've got proof, it was hit at least 50 times. And my colleague Ahmed Ali was injured on both legs. I think it's not right the way they portray both the individual and the action. It was not right. Oh, Tough for cookie, f- sweetheart. Oh, for fuck's sake, dude. Who cares? Jesus Christ. Do we have to fucking consult some Vietnamese dude about Platoon? Oh, my you God, know? man. Get bent. He, he's dead now, by the way, so fuck him. You know, Who- he died of a heart attack. I don't, but yeah. Like the piece of shit he was. <laughs> <It's just so laughs> what a dickhead. 
I mean... Well, I don't like it, because I don't look anything like that guy. I don't smoke cigars, because that's not in accordance with Islam. And I definitely wouldn't have an earring. How dare you choose a hands- an actor more handsome than I to play me? Because this guy is goofy looking. The guy they got looks like fucking... Um, Jesus Christ, I hate to do it again. Another fucking Wire reference. He looks like Bunny from The Wire. He's just like this big fucking bald dude. Just, you know. But this the fucking... It's like him and... ID don't look anything like what most people would picture them looking like. Okay. Because they're the most dangerous types of warlords. They're politicians. Um, September 25th. So, just a couple days later. Things started to get a little bit more hot on the ground. Um, and uh, the UN really starts increasing the air patrols at this point. This is about the time that ID's guys start hijacking food shipments from the UN. Um... Because the truck drivers that are going in to deliver this food are mostly unarmed. Yep. He's sending his dudes in there with AKs and going, take that fucking truck and bring it back here. But it's not that simple. They would hijack these trucks, uh, set up shop on the street corners, and start handing out food. And as the crowd is starting to gather to get their bags of rice and all this other shit... um, Technicals would just roll up and start mowing people down. Um, so that part of the movie is accurate, unfortunately. <clears throat> you know, they didn't, in the movie they didn't start. The movie they didn't start doing that until people started grabbing more and more. Right. But in real life, it was more. I'm here to help you. Ha ha! Surprise! And they just started gunning people. Down. Huh. Um, and he would blame this on the UN. And say that they were using food handouts as a setup to mow down innocent Somalis. No, they weren't, because we did that with helicopters in a building. First Fuck off, out of here. A, you can't uh, blame the UN because you were stealing it. You but stole it was it. in UN trucks. Okay. So but... all you see, all you see in the pictures are UN trucks, bags of food, and fucking scattered bodies everywhere. You don't see any dudes in blue helmets anywhere. You just see the truck that says UN on the side of it. Well, yeah, it's perspective fucking exactly. You know... Imagery taken by the fucking, you know, the, the bad guys. Exactly. You know, not, not, you know. And honestly, most of the time you can't, I, I don't like using the word bad guy for shit like this. He's a fucking bad guy. He's hurting his own people. Yeah. He's a bad guy. Oh, yeah. We can't just say the bad guys because we went there to fight him. Like, were all the Afghanis bad guys when we were there? Probably not. They're defending their country. I get that. No. I'm not supporting it. But this is a legitimate bad guy because he's using this mm-hmm. shit. Killing his own people to make it look bad for the people that are actually trying to help them. Exactly. So um, so on the 25th, a U.S.-built Black Hawk helicopter was patrolling the area of the abandoned presidential palace, which was in uh, an ID-controlled portion of Mogadishu. Um, as the helos circling the palace, it's kind of continuing its, its circuit. It's you know They kind of just fly in circles around the city. Mm-hmm. One of the door gunners spots a, a group of Somalis climbing to one of the roofs. One member of the crew tells the pilot. Pilot sees him, tries to make an evasive maneuver because they are starting to take some pretty hefty fucking small arms fire from AKs, um, RPKs, shit like that. Do damage. Yeah. It, it, not necessarily, but if you catch that one fucking golden bullet, it's a problem. Because um, the, the Blackhawks are, are rock solid. 
Like, if the doors are closed, you can shoot AKs of those things all day long. Yeah, but the rotors aren't, so, right. I mean... Right, and the doors are open, and there's dudes there, so yeah. they don't want anybody to get hit. Still, if, you, if you're shooting at, you know, I mean, they're probably just spraying and praying, and, yeah. and they, they were, you know, hitting whatever they could hit. Yeah. So, I mean, if they hit the rotor, you know, I any... I mean, a, a bullet's not going to do a lot, of, a lot of damage to the rotor. Um, unfortunately, when you take a direct impact to the top rotor of your bird... With a rocket-propelled grenade, it'll do the trick. Yeah, um, the it, it was it was a kind of a glancing blow, but it still did damage. Um, the pilot attempts to fly back towards the port, which is on the other side of the city, to get away from all the shit. Um, the pilot and co-pilot were the only survivors of this attack because um, when it was hit, the bird rocked, and uh, one of the crew members was thrown from the helicopter. Um, oh well, and. After the impact of the the <clears throat> the RPG, one of the other guys that was in there was actually killed by the shrapnel. Um, when the helicopter finally crash landed, droves of Somalis converge on the site and start firing on the remaining crew. Uh, they danced and sang around the site and eventually gutted what was left of the bird um, and came up with some chunks of like arms, <clears throat> shit like that, um, and part of an airman uniform. There's some confirmed. Uh, I'm sorry. Some unconfirmed reports that a headless body of one of the crew members was dragged through Bakara Market for all to see. Considering what we're going to talk about next week, there's probably a decent chance that that actually happened. Um, U.S. Army Major David Stockwell, the chief U.N. military spokesman in Mogadishu, called the downing, quote, a very lucky shot. Because the Somalis were not known for their accuracy. Um, yep. So 56 foreign troops, including seven Americans, have been killed in more than uh, in, in just over three and a half months of fighting in the streets of Mogadishu. More than 200 peacekeepers have been injured, including dozens of Americans that have been shot, uh, hit by shrapnel, or injured while running cover during the you know, the mortarings that were happening almost nightly. Yeah. Um, so this is going to lead us up to the events of October 3rd, 1993, and that's where we're going to stop for this week. Um, because this is where it's going to get fucking hot and heavy and real quick. Oh yeah. Um, and it's going to be hot and heavy for the next two weeks. Yeah. And it's going to be really fucking sad. So yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. Not, uh, not great. Not a great time to be a person in general. doesn't really matter what side you're fighting for. Nah. Uh, nah. but True. anyway, holy shit, dude. Yeah. So, you've been talking. I'll finish this off. And that was just the background as to why the fuck we were there. Yeah. And <laughs> because I, I was like, why, though? And <laughs> I, I actually never knew about the the that first Blackhawk going down. Yeah. And neither did I until I was reading the book. Yeah. I was like, wait a minute. They shot another one down? What the fuck did I miss? Yeah, I didn't know there was three that went, actually yeah. went down. And, the, and huh. it wasn't associated with what we're going to talk about, but well, the reaction by the Somalis. Days. Right. But the reaction of the Somalis is what would prompt us, not us, but um, the Rangers and Delta guys, to react the way they did when those birds get shot down. Because they're like, fuck, we got to get in there now. Yeah. Because we know that we're going to, we already know we're outnumbered. And we're not leaving anyone here. Yeah. So, sorry to me to cut you off there. No, 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 it's fine. No. Um, Yeah, I mean, crazy shit. So, that said... You can find us on, you know, all the social medias. You you know, guy, everybody knows by now. 
where to find us. You can find us there. Uh, also, you can email us at darkwindowspod at gmail.com, which, speaking of that, listen, I'm still waiting on some emails from some of you. I know. Hell, message us on Facebook. You know, listen. We'll convert it. It's fine. Hey, listen. I know you're still, you know, pondering over what story you want to send to us, but send it, okay? We want to do an episode all for you guys. Shit, it doesn't even have to be paranormal at this point. Yeah. If you had if you had a run-in with someone who like turned out to be a fucking serial killer or some shit like that, I want to read that story. It's like I said, just crazy. Goddamn. If you had crazy weird stories. shit happen, let us know. Yeah, yeah. Just, you know, weird, crazy, you know, stories. I just I want them. Not like I lost my keys one night when I was drunk and I woke up the next morning sober and they were hanging out of my ass. Not that. I don't want to hear that no. story. I kind of want to hear no. that story. <laughs> but, anyway. <laughs> so, that's it. That's uh, that's my rant. And I'm going to do it probably for the next two weeks, okay? Yeah. Also, Time's taken, motherfuckers. Yes. Also, head on over to patreon.com forward slash Dark Windows Podcast. Yep. And Nailed it. You can subscribe, you know. Five mo- goddamn bucks a month. Five, five bucks, fucks. Yeah, yeah. What he said. For one gallon of talk. gas, you get an extra episode every week. Well, sort of. Because some places is higher. Like, you know, out west and... For slightly less than one gallon of gas a month. <laughs> uh, you get, you know, a free episode each and every week. Every fucking week. Unless something happens, you know. and but Or if if any way, you know, if something happens, we'll still throw up something. Yeah. Okay. You're getting Patreon one way or the other. You're paying for that shit. Also, head on over to studio.com. Yeah. And find your next pair of headphones, earbuds, Bluetooth speaker, because you know they're good shit. They are. Um, we love them. We use them, and we want you to use them. Yeah. One of our new listeners actually just posted that he got a pair of them. Nice. Uh, he got the Regents. Nice. Which are the ones that we started out with. Still like them because you can fold them shits up real yeah. small. They're good for travel. Which oh yeah. Is exactly what he said too. So. So also, uh, so yeah. With that said, go to check out once you do, you know find what you want. Put in your basket, go check out, and put the promo code of DarkWindows15 in to get 15% off your entire purchase. Yeah, buddy. Because at this time, you know, getting extra money off is great. I, w- I want a promo code for gas. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I want five yeah. cents off a gallon, goddammit. Definitely, definitely. Five, so, 50 cents off a gallon. Yeah, and I guess uh, next week starts the shit. Till we meet again. Mm-hmm. Holy moly. Yeah. So uh, just because you can't see in the out. In, yeah. No, never mind. I can't do it. You do it. <laughs> you, you started off really good. And I was like, oh, my God, he's going to do it. No. I was like watching a little kid like ride a bike for the first time. You're like, he's I got fucking... it. Oh, man, he ate shit. <laughs> no, I fell fucking hard. <laughs> good thing he had knee pads on. Yep. Just because you can't see out into the dark doesn't mean the dark can't see into you. <gasps> Bye-bye. So long. <laughs> Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Calvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank. 
and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one. All you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the Department of Metahuman Affairs or DMA and check it out right now. 